Hey, this is Brian Golden. I am the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast and thank you for taking the time to listen. And I just want to let you know if you are in the greater Tampa Bay area, we would love to have you join us at one of our gatherings. And here's the thing about Centerpoint. Our vision is really simple. We want to be an alternative to church as usual for all people. And that just means we want this to be a safe place that welcomes everybody, doesn't matter what your background is or really where you're at on your faith journey. And so if you want any more information about our gatherings, go to our website at centerpointfl.org. And then most importantly, whether you're a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just in that place of investigating faith, I really hope today's message encourages you and really helps you to find life and freedom in Jesus. Well, good morning, everybody. Glad you're with us today. Hey, no matter where you're at, man, Bradley and Colton did a great job just welcoming you, and I want to do the same thing. My name's Justin. I'm the next-gen pastor here, and uh, I just want to welcome you to part four of this series, Wish You Were Here. Uh, What we've been talking through the last three weeks, now four weeks, is how there are areas of life that we all wish we could have things differently. We wish that we were in a different spot. I'd say no matter where you're at, no matter what you believe about Jesus, no matter what your background is, where you're at geographically, uh, we all have things that we wish were different, right? Like, and I think for some of us, we handle wishing things were different uh, like it's just this kind of cosmic chance, this fate, this thing you have no control over. You think about even how we talk about wishing, right? Like if you see a shooting star up in the sky, something you had no control over at all, something that you just see kind of randomly, then you get to make a wish because you saw a shooting star, right? Or if you see a penny on the ground, some of us, you see a penny, you find it, you pick it up, now you're going to have good luck all day, but then also you get to, to make a wish or you have a wishing well or you blow out candles on a cake because it's your birthday and you're having a good time and you wish for something different. And a lot of us, we look at wishing like we have no control over it. And we think that wishing has a whole lot more to do with chance than us and our choices, And for us, like you think about it, when I wish, it's because generally two things are happening. Maybe I wish I was in a different spot because I'm unhappy. Like maybe your marriage isn't what you thought it would be or what you promised it would be or or your job isn't what you were promised. On the front end, I was talking with a friend this week and they're like, yeah, when I got my job, like I thought it was going to be great. And then I come to find out almost everything that that person hiring me told me wasn't true. And then my job went from awesome to horrible really, really quick. And I wish it was different. And we, we wish because we're unhappy about something, right? We want things to be bigger or smaller or more or less or older or younger or different or whatever it is. Like you wish because you're unhappy, but, but I think also we wish because we're hurt. Like how many times have you found yourself, have I I found myself in a situation where you're like, man, like this just sucks and I wish it was different and there's pain. Maybe, again, maybe it's a a relationship. Maybe it's a diagnosis or disease. Maybe it's a work thing where you're like, man, like because I'm unhappy or because I'm hurt, like I wish things were different. And and this is the reality for all of us. And this is, I, I hope that you could remember today that I hope I can remember is that to get to where you wish you were in life it has more to do with your choices than chance. It has more to do with your choices, my choices, than chance. And even in the church, it's funny how we handle wishing and hopes and dreams that we want that things to be different. And, and we just kind of spiritualize our wish list while we just pray about it, right? Like how many of us, like we, we go to God and we have our list of things that we just want, have desires. And I think prayer for Christians sometimes can be a lot like a wish list. And maybe 
for you, that's one of the reasons that you kind of gave up on prayer or you gave up on church, or you gave up on God in general because you have desires, you have things that you wish could be different in your life and you think that you went and talked to God and you think that God should do what you wanted him to do. But it might have more to do with some of our choices, right? Like I, I know some some of my family members, my mom is funny like this. I love my mom. She's great, but she's funny. She'll pray for like the most random things. Like we all have some form of this person in our life where like they pray for a parking spot at the mall and like, and they know that God blessed them because like the checkout line at Walmart went faster to them. Like, man, the Lord just knew I was in a hurry today. And like, I just had to get through that line. And like, I mean, maybe like the Lord would have woke you up earlier or the Lord could have set your alarm clock, right? Or like, like you pray, how many of us you're in school and you pray to pass the test? Right, like everyone, you put your hand up in your living room right where you're at, like a bunch of us. We've all done that, right? We find ourselves in situations where we're praying for things, we're wishing for things that honestly we could accomplish outside of God if we just prepared better. Right? Like the job promotion that you want, like maybe there's some certification you could get, and maybe there's some experience that you could get that you could qualify for the job that you want. And yeah, absolutely pray for it, absolutely wish for it, but don't leave the wishing and the prayer up to chance to just think it's gonna happen just because it's supposed to. And for some of us, you, you wish you were here, uh, even like physically in the room right now, like on property, on site with us. And you're like, man, I just wish I could be there. You can totally come out tonight for night of worship. It's going to be awesome. We're, we're extending our registration time. Make sure you go on a church center app uh, or go on social media. You'll see how you can register for that. You can come, you can be here. And what I'd say too, for, for some of you, you're like, man, I wish things were different with all the things happening in the, the, the country right now or all things happening in the world or all the disease, whatever. Like you wish things were different and you wish you could be here, but you're unsure about coming here because you don't know what to expect. And what I'd say is we want to provide a safe and an incredible experience for everyone coming on campus. And you can't see this right now, uh, but we actually have taken out over half the chairs in our auditorium for our adult services. So that way we have chairs spread out. A bunch of our staff, anyone that's staff or serve, we're going to wear a mask. We're going to have hand sanitizer. We won't require you to wear a mask, but we'd ask for you to love your neighbors. So if you're like, I'm not wearing a mask, like that's fine. You can come on campus. Just you know, make sure that you're helping other people feel comfortable as you're around uh, and you're giving them space. But, but even people coming out tonight, like you're unsure about things and you wish things were different. And, and we've talked about this. Bryant has said this. And, and as you have questions about stuff, I tell you, just go to our social media on our website. Like, I don't need to explain all those things because Bryant did a much better job than I would. You can go read all that stuff. But even as we're coming on, we say, I wish things were different and I'm nervous about things and I'm unsure about things and we can't control even with our current state right now with all the coronavirus stuff or honestly, a lot of things in our life, there are things that we can't control. But there are small steps that we can take. And there are some things that we can do and choices we can make to take and move our direction to become the person that we wish we were. Because I think, and I think we'll see from, from the scriptures, from the teachings of Jesus, and hopefully you would agree with me, is that in order for you to become the person that you wish you could be, it's going to require one big decision and one small step. In order for you to become the, the person that you wish you could be, it's going to require one big decision and one small step. See, Jesus understands that we have desires. God understands that we have desires. Jesus knows that we wish for things, that we pray for things, that we dream about things, that he actually taught his followers how to pray. He said, hey, if you want to bring your desires to God, the most powerful being in the universe, I want to help you with that. I want to show you how you can pray. And Matthew, one of Jesus' closest friends, actually wrote down a whole bunch of Jesus' teaching. 
In particular, he wrote down Jesus' teaching on prayer. I think it's worth us taking some time just to look at it today because it will help us understand how to bring our desires, how to bring our wishes to God, and in turn, possibly bring those wishes into our life. Now, before we see what Matthew wrote, we have to understand why he wrote it. Because uh, if you look at the scripture, sometimes it's kind of confusing, especially if you don't have a church background, right? You open it up on your phone and you're, you're reading through, or maybe you have a physical copy, uh, which I guess a phone is a physical copy still, but you have like paper uh, and like words printed on a page, right? If you look through, the, the Bible is not one book. It's actually 66 letters and different styles of writing to, to make kind of a collection of stories, a collection of true facts, a collection of accounts of people's lives and poetry and all sorts of things that help us understand one central message of God being with humanity. And you can read through all the different styles of writing and you can read through like, like Matthew's letter and, and helping us understand why the letter was written helps us understand the whole purpose of it and, and what we can even learn from it. So I want to tell you real quick, Matthew wrote this letter and he wrote it to primarily the Jewish audience. And Matthew was a Jew and he writes this letter to his Jewish brothers and sisters to point to them and show them that, hey, Jesus is the promised king. So if you read through the, the old, older scriptures, the Old Testament, what we call it, like it's pointing constantly to a promised Messiah, one that is to come to make all things right, to establish the kingdom of God on earth. And Matthew is writing to show his Jewish brothers and sisters that Jesus is the Messiah that we were promised. Jesus is the king to our kingdom that we were told about hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And when you understand that small fact, all of Matthew can make sense. Because if you begin to read, like some of you, you've done this. You started in Matthew. And if, if we're all honest, which I think we can all be honest with each other, you read the first chapter of Matthew and it's boring, right? I'm like, that's okay. It's okay to say parts of the Bible are boring, right? Like parts of this message are probably gonna be boring for you. If we had a conversation, parts of the conversation are gonna be boring. Like, like boring is not necessarily a bad thing, but it helps us understand even the, the beginning of Matthew, you read, it's all these names, this, this, this genealogy of Jesus where it's starting at David and going all the way to Jesus. And Matthew is doing that to prove and to show Jesus is connected to the true king or Jesus is the true king that's connected to the King David. He's fulfilling all this prophecy. And then he goes through and he points out all these things in Jesus' life, all these teachings. And he's pointing to the Jewish audience, the religious people saying, hey, Jesus is the king. Now, maybe you're like, I'm not a religious person. I'm not a Jew. Like, and I don't know how I can learn from this. And this is the thing that I think is so cool, though, is the stories of lives being changed that Matthew writes and, and, and writes another like nine stories, even in particular, people's lives that are changed because of Jesus. They are people who are irreligious, and there are people who honestly, with most of their society, are kind of on the outsides of things and, and they're not really important. And maybe you're sitting here thinking, I'm not really important and I'm not really religious at all. So you're talking about Matthew writing about Jesus. Like, I don't connect with that at all. What I'd say is I think you should read through Matthew. I think you should check it out because Matthew, I think through his account of Jesus' life is showing us Jesus is the king for everybody. It's not just that Jesus is the king for the Jews or the religious people or the whatever's that you're thinking that you're not, that you can't come to Jesus. Jesus is king for everybody. And as Jesus is, is walking around life and Matthew's writing down his, his account of Jesus' life, he, he gets his teaching, which is famous. And he's teaching all these things and he hits on things like, like divorce. He hits on things like sex. And he hits on things like hatred. And he hits on things like relationships and all these things. And then he gets to prayer, which we have questions about all those things, don't we? 
And Jesus gets to prayer and then he tells his followers, and if you have any religious background at all, you probably know these words. Even if you don't have a religious background, you probably know these words. You could say this with me. He says, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus is teaching his followers how to pray. And it's funny, when I read this prayer, it does not sound like the prayers that I have. Unless I'm like reciting this. And some of us, we recite this every time that we pray. And Jesus isn't so much giving us the words to say it as the posture and the way to think about prayer. But I don't, honestly, I don't pray like this most of the time. I come to God and I will say like, dear Lord and Heavenly Father. um, And then I just ask for all my stuff. And if you're not sure about how you pray, just try to teach a child how to pray, right? Like we're teaching our girls how to pray. And our oldest, Mayla, she turns six on Tuesday and she will pray. And she has learned that mom and dad pray a whole lot longer for food than she does. So if she's really hungry, she will volunteer to pray every time. So we'll sit down for dinner and, and she exposes how I pray to me. And I see like, man, like that's what I'm teaching you about prayer. Cause we sit down for dinner and she'll say, I'll pray. Cause she's hungry. And she'll hold hands and say, dear Jesus, thank you for this food. She says the same thing every time. Lately, it's been a little different because her birthday's coming up. It's dear Jesus, thank you for this food. Hopefully we have a good day today. Hopefully you have a good day tomorrow and my birthday. Amen. And we dig in cause she's learned mom prays the longest Dad prays the second longest. She prays super short. A two-year-old will pray, but she just says Jesus' name, amen, because she's just ready to eat. And so much of our prayer life, so much of our wishes in life, honestly, are narcissistic, and they're pointing right back to us. Now, you probably are a better person than I am, so some of your wishes are for other things outside of you, but like most of the things I want are just about me. But here's the reality we have to understand about prayer. Prayer is, is not about getting your will done in heaven. It's not about getting what you want. It's about getting what God wants done here on earth. This guy Robert Law said it this way, that prayer is a mighty instrument, not for getting man's will done in heaven, but for getting God's will done on earth. Now, prayer really should start to change me even before my circumstances change. Because if I'm praying this way, if I'm recognizing that God is my father in heaven, I have a relationship with the king of kings, the the alpha and the omega, the great I am. I have the relationship with the greatest being in all of existence. He's special. Then I recognize that his kingdom is greater than my kingdom. I'm going to ask for his kingdom to come here and live through me because I understand his kingdom is better than mine. But again, though, like I don't, I don't pray like that all the time. Maybe you pray like that. Maybe not. I think even the context of the people hearing this, like they're always looking for the kingdom. The Jewish people were always constantly excited about the kingdom, looking for the kingdom, wanting the kingdom to come. So I think even when Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, they're like ears perk up and they're like, oh, oh shh, Jesus is talking about the kingdom. Like we're all like skeptics of this guy, Jesus. We don't know if he is the king, if he is the Messiah, if he's the promised one, but he said kingdom and we want the kingdom because right now we are not operating the kingdom the way we want to. And Jewish people in that time, they're, they're under Roman rule. They're being taxed. They're being mistreated. They're being alienated. Like all these things. So every time Jesus talks about the kingdom, they're like, okay, we want to hear about the kingdom. And that's why you read through Matthew's letter. He talks about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, almost constantly because he's helping the Jewish people understand Jesus is coming. But then Jesus doesn't establish the kingdom like they would. 
because they want a political kingdom. They want things to come right now. They want to overthrow the Romans. They want to establish their dominance. And they have heard stories hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago about how the kingdom was when, when David and Solomon, all these heroes of their culture, ruled the kingdom. And they want that kingdom again. But Jesus comes and teaches that it's not a political kingdom yet. It's a spiritual kingdom. Now, I, I could walk all over the political nature of a political kingdom and a spiritual kingdom, and here's the deal. I would say stuff that would make all of you upset and make some of you happy, and I'm just going to walk away from that entirely. But this is what I just say. If your view of the kingdom of God is pushing a political agenda or trying to legislate the kingdom of God, I think you missed it. And, and don't think I'm saying one side or the other side with any kind of political stance or any kind of political part. I'm just saying, if you're trying to legislate the kingdom of God into existence, it's not going to work because the kingdom of God cannot be legislated into existence. It needs to be lived out through the people of God. And, and here's the deal. You look through Jesus' teachings, he's always going back to inside of you, inside of me. And this is our big decision, right? To get to be the person you wish you could be, there's a big decision and a small step. This big decision Jesus just addresses right here is, is whose kingdom are you living for? Like whose interest do you have on your heart, on your mind? Because here's what I know. I love my kingdom and I want to rule my kingdom, but I'm not always a good king. I have to step back regularly, even daily to say, am I trying to be a good king? Because I'm not going to be a good king. Because what happens is we are, if we are all the own, our own kings and queens of our domain, our kingdoms are going to clash constantly. And most of us, we want the reward of living in the kingdom of God. Like you want all the good stuff, but you don't want to have to live under the rule of the king. Like you even look through Jesus' teaching, even in Matthew and this surrounding text, Jesus teaches things like turning the other cheek. If someone wrongs you, you just forgive them and you be kind to them. And I want you to love me and forgive me and be kind to me. I want you to love me even if you're my enemy. I want you to honor my marriage and not to try to get me or my wife to step out on our marriage and adultery. I want you to take and give to the poor. I want you to have incredible relational reconciliation where if there's something wrong between you and I and you're going on with your life, you stop and you come back and you correct it with me. Like I want you to do all those things. I want to get the rewards, the benefits of the kingdom of God. But I don't really want the rule of the king. And that's where we have to stop and pause and think through whose kingdom am I living for? It doesn't mean that you can't have things here and now, but it means that my heart, my focus is on then. And the wishes for here and now are impacted by things that God would have. And Jesus kind of establishes this for us. Hey, this is how you pray. You recognize you have a father who's in heaven. You recognize that he's holy, he's hallowed, he's special. And then you ask for his kingdom to come because his kingdom is totally better than your kingdom. It's totally more, it's bigger, it's more powerful. His kingdom is better. And then he goes on to things like provision and, and talks about food. And this is where we get, this is like where our prayers start generally, like give us. And he says, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive, have forgiven our debtors. Here's the reality. Jesus is pointing out, without food, you will be physically malnourished. Right? Like some of you are on keto right now and you're not eating any bread and you're feeling pretty physically malnourished, right? Maybe not. Maybe you're eating all those pork rinds and all the cheese you want, all those things. Great. I love cheese. I could do keto for a minute, but I also need me some bread. And when you're not physically, or when you're not eating food, you will be physically malnourished. I think also this goes right with this. When I am not living in forgiveness... 
It's impossible for me to be spiritually nourished when I'm living in unforgiveness. So without food, I can't have everything I need physically. And without forgiveness, I can't have everything I need physically or spiritually. And that's forgiveness that I have received. I say, God, forgive me of my debts. Forgive me the wrong that I've done. But also, as I'm forgiving people around me. See, I can't pretend like things are great with me and God and forgiveness is living and active in my life if I'm not giving forgiveness to people around me. I think for some of us, we have the desire to live for God. We have the desire to do the things that God would have us to do. But there's also this real big hang up in our lives where there's still this hurt. There's still this pain, something you wish never happened, something you wish was different, even something currently that's going on in your life. And you're living in a way that you are holding something against someone else. And what happens is when I'm holding something against someone else, I'm holding myself outside of operating in the kingdom of God. That's why relationships are so important and powerful. Because the whole religious system that Jesus walked into that got distorted, that that God set out in place to be operated in one way and people twisted it and distorted it, which is what we do all the time so that we can push ourselves up and make ourselves feel better. But instead of, Jesus came and said, hey, like you guys have twisted the whole religious system where you act like it's just between you and God. And you can go out and be a jerk to everyone around you. But as long as you and God are set, you're totally fine. But that's not operating in God's kingdom. That's operating in your kingdom. Because you're the only one that's connected to God. And said, Jesus says, hey, it's about all the people around you. It's about all the people around you. It's about loving and leading all these people around you because then that is God's kingdom. I'm leading all these people to be able to connect with God. And then he goes on to say, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. See, my desires, my wishes if I have them to the full extent of what I want, like they're going to lead me to bondage and pain almost every time. Like even for me, man, this, this past week, we have, we have some birthdays in July. We have a lot of birthdays in July. Our, our, our first baby, she's born uh, July 14th. Our third child, she's born July 4th. So like July is like the month of cake in our house. And here's the thing, my, my wife likes to make big cakes for the kid's birthday and just have fun with it. But the problem is I like to eat a lot of cake. So then after the birthday for about two weeks, I'm just constantly, there's just cake in the fridge. And if there's cake in the fridge, I don't like, I don't want it to go to waste. I don't want it to spoil. I don't know if cake even spoils or not, but I don't want it to go bad. So I'm like, I will, I'll take on this load for my family. I'll eat all this cake. But here's the reality. If I just eat cake all the time, that's a desire I have. That's a desire that's probably rooted in something good and something spiritual. I mean, Jesus even said, like, give us a day our daily cake. Because like bread could argued is a version of cake. What'd you say that was the Greek, okay? It's cake. Here's the reality. If I keep eating cake and eating cake and eating cake, pretty soon that day I'm going to feel sick. And pretty soon over time, my body is not going to react well because I'm giving my body a lot of the things that it doesn't really need and I'm excluding a lot of things that my body really does need. And Jesus is saying, when you follow God's kingdom means that you follow the king out of bondage. means you follow the king out of your desires. Again, a lot of us, our desires are not necessarily a bad thing, but when I go and I experience it and just want it and just fulfill all that to myself, like it's not gonna be good for myself or the people around me. And the people who are led away from temptation, the people who are led into deliverance from the evil one are the people who are operating in God's kingdom. 
I think this is sad because so many of us, like we accept the idea of Jesus as a future king, but we don't accept the idea of Jesus as a current king. Like you want the future, like heaven, when you die forever. And, and maybe you were even in a situation where you're hearing this message about, you know, hell is really, really bad and heaven's really, really good. And like, which would you want to choose? Which honestly, anyone with half a brain is going to choose the thing that's really, really good. Right? And you, you bought into this idea that heaven is the thing that you get when you die. And that's what it means to follow Jesus. But I would say that's correct, but it's not complete. See, the message of Jesus is not simply that his death and resurrection secure a place for you in eternity. It's that his death and his resurrection secure citizenship in his kingdom today where you can start living it out. You can start operating in a way where you're saying, man, like I want to follow King Jesus, that I do not have to be in bondage to my desires anymore. This is what Bryant talked about last week where he said that you and I were created to be ruled over. The problem is we think of ruling like how we handle it, where it's like power and dominance. And if you read through the account of God with humanity in the original plan, when you go back to Genesis, God interacted with Adam and Eve, which I believe is a true story, actually happened because Jesus believed it actually happened. And if Jesus rose from the dead and he believes Adam and Eve were real people, then I'm going to roll with Jesus because he rose from the dead. God operated with Adam and Eve, not over with power and dominance, but by attracting them with his love and kindness. Even when they messed up, even when they walked away from God, God still is walking through the garden and just calling out to them. Guys, where are you? Guys, hey, I came looking for you. I couldn't find you. Like, what's going on? He didn't show up with a hammer of judgment to drop on their heads. Because he built the earth, he built humanity to have a relationship with him, but the relationship was with him as king because that's best for us. And when we step away from God and we replace that king who's good and kind with another king, the other kings don't know us and don't care for us and they're gonna lead through dominance and bondage and manipulation. And some of you, you've been there. You wanted to operate in freedom and you've been operating in freedom and you went and you fulfilled your desires and I want to eventually becomes, I can't not do this thing anymore, right? I have to. And you know there are things in your life. I know there are things in my life where I, mean, I just wish I could stop doing this thing, but I just can't and I'm found in bondage. I think if you're in bondage, maybe it's because you're in your own kingdom. Because the way I read the scriptures, the kingdom of God doesn't have bondage. Jesus doesn't talk about taking you captive and holding you down and making it so you don't have choices. He talks about giving you the ability to have life to the fullest. And for some of us, I think, again, we're living in bondage. We're living in with our, all the baggage. We're living with all the temptation, all the desires. And really, we've, again, we've embraced the idea of heaven is a future forever away from us. And when we die, we'll get there. But right now, I can kind of do whatever I want. And I don't think that's the whole gospel. Now, what I'd say, too, is do you have to follow Jesus to go to heaven? Because that's what everyone's question is, right? That's what people, like, you ask kind of the question is, like, like what is the least amount of work necessary to get into heaven? Like all of us ask that. I ask that. And sometimes like, would you say this prayer, you'll get into heaven. But then some people are like, well, you have to do these things and those things. And this is what I'd say. Following Jesus is not in conflict with accepting a, a gift of grace. See, salvation, if you read through the scriptures, it says that God to save you is totally a gift. And grace means you can't earn your way into God's kingdom. Like none of us can do that. I can't do that. You can't do that. The grace means you cannot earn your way, way into God's kingdom. But grace doesn't mean that it does, there's no effort in following the king. 
For some of us, that's our wrestle. Where you, you have the idea of Jesus, but you also have the idea of how you want things to be run. And it's effort and there's conflict. And you see this over and over in the scriptures. And I think this is a healthy thing for us to wrestle with and work out of like, what is this balance of like grace being this awesome gift, but then there's, I can't earn anything with that, but there's also effort. And, and this is what I'd say to try to make it super simple for you. It's like, if I gave you a guitar, say you really want to play guitar. You know, I mean, I just would love to play guitar. Our, our worship team does an awesome job playing guitar. A lot of these guys play like all crazy instruments. They're doing an incredible job. And again, come out tonight. Register still, come out for a night of worship. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be safe. It's going to be such a good experience. But if I gave you a guitar as a gift, it doesn't mean that you know how to play guitar instantly. And you say, man, I really want to learn how to play guitar. And you just gave me this gift. Just, just give me the ability to play guitar. Like you working to learn how to play guitar does not mean that the guitar was not a gift. And with Jesus, it's like he gave us the guitar, the salvation he saved us. But then he also went and said, hey, I also am going to pay for all your music lessons. Actually, I'm going to come and sit right alongside you and show you how to play guitar. But I also want to help you understand, like there are some things like it's going to take some effort because you can't just do whatever you want on guitar for it to operate the way that it's supposed to. I mean, you could try that, but it's not going to sound good. But there are things, even with the musical instrument, where you go, hey, this is how you play it. This is how you operate with that thing. And with Jesus' kingdom, he said, hey, there's a gift that I give you. You can come and be part of the kingdom. No worry about that at all. You got that. Come and be part of the kingdom. But then there's some things with the kingdom that it doesn't den- deny the fact that it was a gift, but also there's some areas that you can operate and you can have some effort and you can walk in this newness of life. You can walk and have a life that's totally different and you can walk in the kingdom of God. Here's the thing too. When you walk in God's kingdom, when you walk the way according to the way Jesus would have you to walk, it's better for you. It's better for you. It's better for me. Because Jesus is teaching about prayer with his followers and he tells them, hey, this is how you pray. This is the attitude you should have for prayer. But what he actually starts with is how not to pray. If you go back just a few verses, Jesus goes and says, hey, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. The hypocrites, these are people, they love to pray standing in the synagogues. That's like where they learn the scriptures. They love to pray on the street corners to be seen by others. Anyone ever hear a prayer like that? You ever been in a situation where someone has like a praying voice? Like they're talking like us or whatever. And it's like, hey, can you pray? Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we just come to you right now, Team Jesus. Like, dude, that's not you. And Jesus is pointing out and saying, don't be like the hypocrites. They want to be seen by all these people around them and they, what they really want is acceptance from all these people around them. And this word hypocrite, if you go back to the original idea, it's actually like a theatrical term of actors on stage putting on different masks for different scenes, which is incredible and it's great when you're in the theater, but it's horrible in life. Let me ask you this, like if you've been in that situation, like are you happy being a hypocrite? Are you happy having to change who you are for the people that you're around? Are you living life to the fullest or do you feel like more like there's bondage of this praise of people all around me and I have to say the right thing and do the right thing to earn acceptance and that's not freedom. Sounds a whole lot more like bondage to me. Jesus is saying, hey, don't be like them because you don't have to be like them because they're seeking acceptance and approval from people all around them. And because you have the acceptance and approval of the king of kings because you're in his kingdom and he's your father, you don't have to strive for the acceptance of people around you. But he also says they get their reward. They get their reward in full. They have everything they want. They want 
Acceptance, they get acceptance momentarily. But then he says, when you pray, go into your room. Close the door and pray to your father who's unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Is Jesus talking about like, there, there are rewards for what you're doing. These people want to be seen by all these people. The person that they wish they were is to be accepted and praised around the people around them. And like they get that the reward and it's so momentary. It's so short-lived. It's so quick. And you know, if you accept, accept the praise of people, like just wait because criticism is going to come too. And if you live by the praise of people, you're going to die by the criticism of people. And it's going to be really hard for you. And Jesus said, hey, don't do that. Don't go out in the corners. Go into your bedroom. Go into the closet. Go and get down and do something in private. And God will see you and God will reward you. Now, this is completely opposite to the way that we would introduce a kingdom, isn't it? Right? Not Jesus like, Jesus like, I mean, I know you like, I mean, you've lived a minute, like you're in your early 30s. So you know enough to know, like you don't know everything. But like, I don't think you know how a kingdom establishment is going to work. Like you want all of your followers and subjects to go in the privacy of their house and to pray where no one can see them. Like, like, don't we need like buttons? Don't we need signs? Don't we need rallies? Don't we need a campaign? Like Jesus, like, like I'll be your campaign manager. You just show up and you do that thing where you turn that water into wine. We're going to win everybody over with that because who doesn't like wine, right? Like Jesus, you just keep coming and you do your little thing and we'll conduct this whole thing so you can get a movement. And Jesus, look at all these people right now. Like all these people, they would love to follow you because you do so much for them physically. I think that's the thing is Jesus is saying like the primary thing I do for people is not the physical thing is the spiritual things. And when you go into your closet, when you go and pray in privacy, what you get is the greatest reward. You get God. Like you slow down enough to be quiet in a moment with your heavenly father and you hear him out. Well, Jesus, who is going to know about the kingdom if we're all in the closet praying and no one sees it? And Jesus is going to say, everyone you come into contact with because you're going to live different than everyone that you're in contact with. You're going to walk around and you're going to do these things like, like turning the other cheek and you're going to do these things like handling like all of humanity with dignity and respect. And you're going to do these things like giving to people who are your enemy. And you're going to do all these things and people are going to scratch their heads and look around and go, man, there is something different. They don't operate the same way we operate. They have something different, but they also, they don't just operate differently. Like they, they, their life is just different. Internally, it's different. Jesus says, don't be hypocrites. They're going to receive their reward. Go in your room, be quiet, be private, get alone with God. And that's the small step, I think, for most of us. All right, we talked about a big decision to get to where you wish you were in life. Take a big decision and a small step. The big decision is, is whose kingdom are you going to live for? And you totally can live for your kingdom. Like, that's your choice. And even we see again where God is not ruling with dominance and power. Like he lets you make that choice. But I'd say, I think his kingdom is way better. Whose kingdom are you gonna live for? And then the small step, and this is, this is small, and every one of us can do this. It's just get alone with God. Just spend, spend time alone with God. Now here's what we do because we, we love to like track everything and know how I'm doing because we want to earn everything, right? We're like, well, how much time? I don't need to like set a time for like 10 minutes. Do I get more points if it's before the sun comes up? Like how does this work in Jesus? And Jesus is like, just go and get alone with God. That's the point. Get alone with God because when you are alone with God, you get God. 
I think you also get God's desires. You get a, a chance to understand who he is and what he'd have for you. And this is reality for all of us. If we're honest, we look at so much in our lives, not just personally for you, but just in our culture, in our community. You say, man, I just wish things were so different. I just wish things were different. I wish that we could have things, you know, whatever it might be. And there's people in our church on all sorts of sides, on all sorts of issues, and you want things to be different. And here's right, the, the way to get God's kingdom to come to earth is to allow his kingdom to invade your heart. And I don't think you do that on a stage somewhere. As good as our worship is and as awesome as it is, when you're all gonna be back in the house soon and we're all together worshiping, as incredible as that is, I don't think that is the primary area that God's kingdom gets into your heart. I think it's when you're alone with him. And you actually, almost like a mirror, see your heart for what it is. See, Paul, this other writer of the New Testament, he was living for his kingdom and he was doing all sorts of things and he was crushing it. He was getting all sorts of rewards. People loved him. Like he was on the fast track for incredible power in their culture. And then Jesus completely flipped his life upside down. And Paul saw that Jesus' kingdom was better than his kingdom. And that's, the, that's the, one of the biggest identifying marks of a follower of Jesus is that you see his kingdom is better than yours. Even Matthew, this guy who wrote the letter that we're looking at, this account of Jesus' life. Matthew's a tax collector. Matthew had the ability to make incredible wealth. He gave all that up to follow Jesus. Now, does that mean that everyone needs to give up all they have to follow Jesus? No. You see stories of Jesus actually where he interacts with people and some people have a lot of money and he tells them, hey, you need to sell everything and follow me because your heart and your money are so connected that like you need to give that up because that kingdom is going to destroy you and lead you into bondage and my kingdom will lead you into freedom of life. He tells one person, crazy rich that, the next guy he sees as crazy rich, he doesn't tell him anything about his money. And that guy just willingly wants to give it up. So it's not about money, it's about your heart, it's about your kingdom. And this is what Paul says. He wrote this letter to this church. It's called Colossians because the people there are the, the, the Colossian people. He says, since you've been raised with Christ, like since you have been raised, since you have this life that is what Jesus has, since you have this power of God in your heart, in your mind, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Like your heart, your desires, what you have, set those on the things of God because you've been raised with Christ. If you're listening and you're like, dude, I don't think I'm a follower of Jesus. I don't buy into the church. You get a pass on all this. You can totally live for your kingdom. Like that's totally up to you. You don't have to listen to any of this. But again, what I'd say is as you live for your own kingdom, be careful because the people around you, the people that you care about are soon going to find themselves outside of your kingdom. Because when I live for my kingdom, I'm living for myself. And honestly, it's kind of, I don't really care about the collateral damage. And Paul says, since you've been raised with Christ, you have this life, you have been raised. It means that you were laid down low. Jesus died in order to come back to life for us. We laid down our lives at Jesus' feet because we see that his life is infinitely better. And we don't just want eternity in heaven when we die. We want him here right now. I'm gonna set my heart on the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And then he says, set your minds on things that are above, not on earthly things. Paul hits on your heart and your mind. It's talking about your, your hearts, your, your cravings, your desires, what you wish for your life. And your mind is your thinking. 
your thought patterns, how you, how you interpret things around you. And again, Paul walked away from his kingdom because he saw the kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom of God is way better. But the way to get into the kingdom of God is through grace, is through the gift of Jesus. And the way to walk it out is through grace, is through the gift, but it still takes effort on our part. We need to make the decision of whose kingdom are living for. And then we need to take the one small step. And for a lot of us, I think that I think that one small step is you just need to get away from Jesus. Or get you don't need to get away from Jesus. That's the opposite. You need to get alone with Jesus. You need to spend some time with him. You say, How long? I don't know. What do you need to do? I need to physically go in a closet and shut the door. Sure, some of you probably should do that because if you're like me, you love the praise of people, and it's so easy to live for people's praise. And you would have a great big reaction when people are all around you. But when you're by yourself, you're kind of bored of God. You kind of have the spiritual ADD where you're like, I'm trying to pray and it's so hard. I'm trying to pray and I'm thinking about all these other things. I'm trying to focus on Jesus and all these other things are happening. And what I'd say is, is sit there in that moment. I think, I think God has something for us. And this is, this is the crazy thing. Again, we wish that we were different. We wish the world around us were different. But here's the reality. Sometimes we wish for things that are so temporary. Like you want the new iPhone. You want a bigger house. You want to pass whatever. Like you want to get those things. And here's the reality. Do you know you could not pay someone to take your iPhone right now if you have an old iPhone? Like nobody wants that. At one point you sat outside the Apple store to get that. You camped out for three days to get that new piece of technology and now you literally throw it away. So all the things that we wish for, if they're temporary, they're gonna lose their value instantly almost for us. But the things I think for most of us, the things that we wish for, the internal things like, like peace and hope, Man, and you're angry right now and you just want your soul to be calm. I don't know who you are, but you have so much in your life right now that you're like, I'm in so much turmoil. I'm just mad all the time. I tell you, that's bondage and Jesus wants you to lead you to his kingdom of freedom. But you can't live for your kingdom. You have to live for his kingdom. It's a crazy thing. If you read through the, the rest of that chapter in Paul's letter, he says, set your mind, set your heart on the things that are above. He says, through that, he says, you're gonna get rid of things like slander and anger and rage and sexual immorality and greed. And you're gonna get rid of all those things and what you get in place because all those things will eventually, that's where you're gonna end up with your kingdom, the kingdom of people here. But the things of God, the kingdom of God, the things that you desire, things like gentleness and patience and compassion and, and reconciliation in any kind of a area, relational, uh, ethnic and racial reconciliation, reconciliation between the classes and genders and orientations, all those things, the things that we dream that we would have in life. The things that we wish for. That's accomplished by setting your mind and your heart on things that are above and asking God, God, would you bring your kingdom to earth? See, if we're honest, a lot of us pray for Jesus to come back. And we're like, Jesus, just come back. How many times through this, this year have I seen Facebook posts and Instagram posts? like, Lord Jesus, just come back. Take us all with you, right? I think the thing is, Jesus is looking up at us and he's saying, you all want me to come back, but I'm just asking if you would let me invade your heart right now. 
And I have you there for a reason. I have you there for a purpose. And I want my kingdom to come through you. Because that's going to impact all the people around you. And you have no idea the type of life that you could have when you live the life that I've designed for you. Because I love you and I want to attract you to my kingdom through my love. And for some of you right now, you're, you're contemplating, you're thinking like, I, I think I have that view of heaven as a kind of forever thing. And like when I die, I'm not sure about where I'm at with Jesus. Do I want to be part of his kingdom or not? Like, can I, can I tell you, sometimes we run away from that because we're uncomfortable with any kind of conflict or especially things of faith. We're like, oh, don't think anything bad and only think good things. And here's the reality, wrestle with that stuff. Work that stuff out. Because as you work out, you get stronger, you get healthier. I think it's physically, I think it's spiritually. Work out those things in your life to realize and say, think, whose kingdom am I living for? Don't just run and say, well, I'm in Jesus' kingdom because I go to church and I have a good time. No, no, no. Don't settle for cultural Christianity. That is so dangerous for your soul. You hung around church long enough where you know the right words to say, you know the right behaviors to embrace, you know the things to stay away from, you know what to wear, how to act, and you embrace all this cultural of Christianity, but you never embrace the kingdom of God. That's so dangerous, and I want you to understand that God's love will draw you to his kingdom, and his grace will help you walk out that kingdom. And maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, I've never heard about Jesus in this light. It's always been a, Jesus will save you from your bad things. Jesus will save you from hell. And I wanna live for Jesus today. We would love to walk through life with you. We would love to help you understand this further. We would love to, to be part of you embracing the kingdom of God, embracing the person of Jesus. Jesus taught that when you accept Accept the fact that you cannot measure up. Accept the fact that you're not good enough and you receive. You just accept, hey, I'm not good enough. I have sinned and Jesus has paid for my sin and risen from the dead. He is powerful over all things. In that moment, you are saved and we want to celebrate with you because that is something worthy of celebration because we have another brother and sister in the kingdom of God. And you can text in, you can message us on Facebook. You can get connected honestly on any social media platform. We would love to celebrate with you and also walk this life with you because all of us struggle on whose kingdom we're living for. What I wanna do is I wanna pray for all of us that we would embrace God's kingdom and that we would embrace his way and that we would become the people that we wish we were. But even more importantly, we'd become the people that God wishes we were. Take the one small step, get along with God and see God's kingdom come to earth. Let's pray. God, thank you for everything you're doing. God, thank you for uh, the, the work of the church. God, people in living rooms and in coffee shops and in their houses and all over the place, God, no matter where they're at, God, people coming to know you and God, people hearing your word. I pray that we could walk in, in the newness of life. God, I pray that we would set our hearts on the things above, God, that our desires would be what you desire. God, that we wouldn't settle anymore for cultural Christianity. God, that we wouldn't settle for the the praise of people around us. That we wouldn't settle for just babbling on, like you say, in, in words and prayers where we're just reciting stuff and it means nothing to us. God, that your desires would become our desires that your kingdom would come to earth and God, that we could be part of that.
God, right now, everything seems like it's in turmoil. Everything seems like it's difficult. Everything seems crazy right now. And people are scared and people are exhausted and people are hurt and people are not sure on almost anything in life right now. But we wanna be confident of this, that your kingdom can come through your people. And your kingdom is led by love and sacrifice and service. God, I pray that we could be a church that lives like that and that you would give us the reward of yourself and also the reward of your kingdom coming to earth. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.